party like gets 19 something like it's 1941 what a great year 1941 tremendous year phenomenal year so much done it's so much we produced so much so much was produced i measure a year by the level of its productiveness that's how you should that's how everybody should measure a year everyone should measure a year that way so um this is this is me on this recording i'm trying to do a i think that well here's what i think I think that I'm going to go and do, I'm going to try to do a live episode of this podcast. The reason I want to do that is not just so I can show my body to people in public while I'm talking. It is, the reasons are manifold, many-fold reasons for why. It's because I want to talk to an audience, I want uh, kind of like a an audience interaction kind of thing. Like, people aren't, People aren't putting enough pressure on the audience, but we're starting to get at that. It's just that the fourth wall is really, um, it's time, it's time to go. The fourth wall doesn't need to be there anymore. It's kind of a problem of dimensionality, like, um, but it's, it's just a problem of the separation between speaker and audience and, uh, nobody was really ever willing to embarrass their audience. The bar the speaker is always embarrassed, but also it's like the speaker is not supposed to admit this in the arena of professionalism, like in the name of being professional, you're not going to call out an audience. Like I don't want to do a live episode and call out an audience. I want to see what I want to see. I want to push the boundaries of this format. I want to see. And so I contacted a venue that might uh accommodate what i want to do and then i'm gonna see if they're too scared to give me the stage i told them i wasn't like i'm not gonna confront a bunch of people i'm actually just gonna do a regular episode but i'll do it live and then at that point and then i'll like allow comments and questions on what i'm saying i just want to be terrence mckenna terrence mckenna did the most drugs and then went and talked about his experiences i'm just kidding i don't want to do like drugs and go like, he didn't... I, I'm just talking about Terrence McKenna walked around and just talked about his thoughts and his feelings and uh, just his ad- adaptation of, of um, how he felt. He just shared his position. His position was heavily influenced by... He took a bunch of mushrooms. So he had interesting things to say. It's just that, like, mushrooms are a religious experience. Drugs, uh, like hard hallucinogens... Uh, hard hallucinogenic drugs, hard hallucinogens, and not not easy, soft hallucinogens, soft hallucinogens. Hard drugs are the future. That's the religion of the future, because it's just like the magical, spectacular thing that you're getting at when you talk about uh, Jesus or, or religion or a speciality, something that's amazing, something that's eye-opening, like... I find that some of, at least some, if not all, of the feeling that you get, that they talk about in church is like Jesus' complete freedom and complete love. Like, this this is something you can pra- practically experience. Like, heaven comes down and you, like, 
you're freed in the arms of Jesus. Like, I find that drugs is a way for you to practically experience some of the things that they say that you are just supposed to imagine into existence in a church. Like, church is going to tell you to pray. And um, I think that the world just is kind of gets a little bit retarded when it adheres to rules, but like um, people's and the world's sexuality gets kind of retarded. It gets slowed down. It gets confused. It gets frustrated when uh, in a in a world that has a more centralized version of Jesus. But that is um, that's America. America is that world. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about dirty. I'm talking about dirty Satanism. And uh, I I am becoming more and more convinced that the world is rampantly Satanist. Like, world elites are worshipping Satan in droves. They are sacrificing shit to Moloch. There is a statue of Moloch in the Colosseum. And when it's Good Friday, which is the... Which you know what Good Friday is. Good Friday is that ceremony. I mean, it's that ceremonial thing. It's that uh, celebration that happens before Easter for, like, I think, well, Catholics like it, but... The, a bunch of Catholics do some celebration at the Colosseum on Good Friday, and Moloch is just chilling, a statue of him is just chilling in the Colosseum, having a good old time. And, like, um, I don't know if you know, listener, dear listener, um, but the, the throne room of the Pope, the Pope's throne is in this room, that like the throne is sitting in front of this giant ass metallic statue that is a statue of Jesus and but it's a grotesque rendering of Jesus it's gruesome looking Jesus is uh, like it's this giant ass metal statue just look it up like the Pope's throne room statue of Jesus and this statue is horrific and demonic looking and, but it's Jesus, but the person who created the statue is, um, they meant to represent Jesus as coming out of the crater of a nuclear bomb. And that's the Jesus. Jesus coming out of the crater of a nuclear bomb is the Jesus that they want to represent in the throne room of the Pope. Besides that, this all, this giant statue is, is behind the Pope's throne and it's this grand display and the the throne of the Pope is right in the middle of it. And so this giant-ass demonic statue is symmetrical around the throne that the Pope sits on in the Vatican. And all of it takes place between the fangs of a snake. And the entire room that it's in, the giant outer room that this statue is in, is meant to look like the head of a snake and has snake eyes for windows and there's fangs. It's like very clearly, obviously, they meant it to look like a snake. And so the Pope is sitting in the middle of the mouth of a serpent. And this is just right out in the open. And the lesson there is that the way that things look is important. Like, you have to pay attention, I would think, to the way that things look if you're not like you can't just you can't just ignore this and say well i don't know why they decided to do that why do they make the most christian guy in the world have his kingdom in the mouth of a serpent it's because there is rampant satanism going on but they uh, you can cover up you cover up satanism with christianity in most cases and 
here's here's a weird phenomenon that goes on in my life is that a lot of times when I start talking in here, I mean, maybe the walls in my apartment aren't insulated enough, but I get feedback as if as if it's just the reverberation of my voice or something. I get feedback sometimes. Yes, I get feedback from other apartments around me because they like to make noise, I believe, to, um, to answer my noise. I get feedback from other apartments. They're making noise the second I start talking. And I think it's because... I think it's because it's just that's the way that energy works and things aren't really things aren't coincidental like that like it's not coincidental that the pope is sitting in the mouth of a giant serpent and there's a giant demonic jesus statue behind him whoever puts this show on this display is trying to communicate to you that satanism is right out in the open like and they'll do shit like this across Rome. Like they made this giant, they made this big uh, cross, this big crucifix of Jesus in another part of Italy that was like Jesus being crucified. But the cross, um, like, is on a giant slant, so it starts like it's going vertical. This uh, it's called the crucifix at of Siva, and Jesus is being crucified in this statue. But the cross is like over your head so you look straight up in the air and there's jesus being crucified looking down on you because the the cross that he's being crucified on is really long and uh slants like it goes straight up in the air but then it slants to be just over your head so you have to look up a picture of that to know what i'm talking about but um in 2014 this statue broke and it it collapsed and crushed a man to death that was underneath it and um the guy that it crushed lived on i don't really know i I forget what the conspiracy is but conspiracy is worth it conspiracy conspiracy is rampant tiktok has a lot of good conspiracy content they can do better in communicating conspiracy than i do because it's millions of people all across the world with whatever resources that they gather to make a video about some conspiratorial event like uh, there are main points of reference in modern day conspiracy, obviously, because it's a genre like Bohemian Grove and uh, the the whatever club, Bohemian Grove and the Bohemian Grove Club. What is it called? The Skull and Bone Society meets there and they go and pray to Moloch. And it's a bunch of uh, allegedly it's a bunch of elites. And so that's a known point of reference. And that Vatican thing is a known point of reference. But um like so conspiracy the point i was making is that tiktok can do better than i can in conspiracy it's unfortunate i wish i was better but i'm not better than a collective network of thousands of people all across the world uh gathering their own resources in in some senses the best that i can do is aggregate i can be a aggregator and that's what everybody is now everybody is just an aggregator of information they collect they collect the points of reference like i can aggregate it all aggregates into the point of reference that i am like i can collect a number of things that i see on tiktok like in some senses the best i can do is aggregate a number of conspiracy points of reference into um i mean but it's like my point of reference is still different because my collection of things i've seen that i'm reporting to you but what i'm talking about is like seth myers is just an aggregator for um important news leftist news stories or like 
the leftist account of things. But like uh, to the extent that political news stories are still important, Seth Meyers is a platform. He has a podcast and a late night show. But like his podcast is just he's a, he's a news anchor at this point. Like that's what the world is. That's what the world graduates to. That's what it's becoming. Is that the news agencies like uh, late night late night hosts are just becoming the new CNN. Like CNN is so dead. MSNBC MSNBC is so dead. But um, like Seth Meyers isn't isn't doing great. But what he what some of those people do well, like Colbert, what they end up doing is they're just an aggregator for what's a news story, so that there is a standard for a news story anymore. It's difficult to find standards for it. Seth Meyers, like whether or not he's very leftist, becomes an aggregator for news stories. So you know, like these are the actual stories. Like he brings to he covers the things that are popular in the world, but it's like what he reflects is just a world that's concerned with political thought and politics more so than it actually is because he lives in a time gone by. But like he has to. But it's not like that doesn't work. He still gets a lot of play. But he. Um, he brings up all of the stories because it's hard, it's difficult to find the source. And what's important really is just you find what people find to be the most important. And so it's just like he becomes an aggregator for leftist political thought where he used to be a comedian. But like it's like Colbert, that's the best that these people can do at this point because of um, because of like, I don't know, you'd say like they don't have enough talent to just like be funny but it's kind of impossible to be funny anymore it the best that you can do is be a center of activity or like be and that's the best that you can do if you're um like you can make tiktoks that are that are funny and whatever i feel like the standard is more a tiktok for anything that's funny because they'll just cover any topic and poignantly bring up things like observationally like observational comedy is rampant on tiktok everybody and it's barely even comedy it's just observation it's like comedy has just become observation the way that it is on tiktok like um and like i get feedback in apartments from around me and i think it's because of this dog-centered environment um apartment complex that i live in this is a this is some strange hybridization of dogs and humans world that i'm living in at this apartment complex I refer to it as the slew of despond, which is the slew of sin that the pilgrim in Pilgrim's Progress gets caught up in right in the beginning of the book when he leaves the city of destruction. He gets caught in the slew of despond. The slew of despond is uh, people being guilty about their sins or, or something. It's like, the f- it's like uh, I mean, whatever. This place is the slew of despond because it's slow. And uh, there's a retardation going on. But you can't say the word retardation. I was watching Saturday Night Live, and it was Owen Wilson was hosting it. And I actually watched it live. Isn't that bizarre? I don't know who in the world does that. But I watched it as it happened because I saw that it was going on. I'm like, oh, let's see what they're doing. And um, there was a skit where Owen Wilson had to say the word retard, and he said the R word instead of retard said the r word like because retard is a swear word i know that i understand that cancel culture 
have, would have things to say to me for being like, for actually just saying retard and saying it's not a swear word. Cancel culture would be like, it is a swear word and you need to respect the new standards that this world is providing to you. But the thing is, I know that there are no, there are no standards in this world now. There aren't any standards, but the standards that there are, they're just going to be destandardized later. Like, there there are standards. We're in a relatively more destandardized world than what I grew up in. It's just that morality used to be more centralized, and things become demoralized. That doesn't mean morality is dead. It just exists in a more disintegrated form, a more granular form, a more divided to like uh grant granular and particulated form in individualized form i'm just sharing words for you for it used to be standardized but then standardization to de-standardization is a decentralization and i support a decentralized jesus like jesus is standardized to churches to the point that well, and it's it's Christianity. It's the religion of it. The religions, religious side of it is where it is centered, where it is centralized. And um, so it's like churches get to have the view of Jesus. They get to have a standardized view. I mean, they get to have the view of Jesus, but I'm saying this is standardized. It has to do with like, um, it has to do with the Bible and we live in a standardized world, but it's like we live in a visible um, Christianity is visible and Satanism is in secret. S Satanism is the imperceptible. I often am on here talking about how the right versus the left, the right is imperceptible. The left is perceptible. The left likes visible and surface level identities. This is true, but this doesn't really explain it because you can, you can go the other way and explain it as like, especially if you're just going to say conservatives are Christians. Christians are actually visible versus like depending on the dynamic you're looking at it isn't it isn't black and white like that like it isn't that easy of course and it's and it is pretty much always unintelligent to put everybody in the these are the leftists they do this and these are the right and they do this but I try to give you different observations of it or like the left do all of these things because but like generally if you're trying to pick one correlate left to this and right to this but like christians are um christians are more visible and it like has to do with authority authority is complicated like i would typically say the left is more authoritarian but it's really like the left has the authorities that they hate it's just that they don't hate most of them i'd say that the left is generally more authoritarian but that doesn't mean that they like the right hates authority, but they more hate presidents and, and representatives because people on the right are more individualistic and narcissistic and they see within themselves that they could be a president or an elected representative. And so they get on the elected representatives like these high lofty positions because they see it in themselves to like govern or they think that they could govern more purely like the dishonesty of presidents and Republicans and Democrats is something that they don't like because they could they think that they can govern better because they think they are the governors and they think that they are gods or like like more so than people who are concerned with a collective. People who are concerned with a collective maybe aren't concerned with presidents or whatever. They're gonna be like, well just listen to doctors or listen to scientists. Like you don't get to decide beyond that level of authority on your own this group of people it doesn't have to be the left but it, a little bit is but it's not like they love authority because these people I would say 
hate the police. They don't like the police. And I'm not talking about the band. The police. And that's a pretty genius band name because it, like, probably over time everybody has to call policemen cops. Because if you're like, the police are out to get me, you might be referring to the band. Like, the the police comes along and we're like, now it becomes am- more relatively more ambiguous what you're talking about with the police. Obviously nobody thinks of the band. But it's like, if I say the police, if you know who the police are, like, in some senses you can't separate that your mind would go there. I'm not talking about the people who hate the police, although they do, and I do. I hate the police, the band. I don't hate regular policemen. I'm not really concerned with what policemen are doing. I just think, like, you should really let the police do what they're going to do because I don't see it in myself in any way to be a policeman. I could not do that. Like, just let the police govern or whatever. And people get pissed at stop and frisk policy. They're like, they think it's the most evil thing. It's like, stop and frisk is just spewing an environment and fomenting an environment of racism. I swear to God, though, I get, um, I get feedback from apartments around me because reverberation effects, but it's kind of like this entire city is homogenized. Columbus is homogenized. Like the stores are different. Like if you go downtown to where there's all these nice little downtown shops that are not franchised or anything, they're just individual shops. You go downtown to Columbus where all the shops are, all of the shops are different and they offer different things, but somehow they are all the same. Somehow they're all like the same amount of uniqueness. I went to Austin, Texas, and this is a similar thing where every storefront in Austin is very, uh, like you could say kitschy, but it's like, um, it's, it's unique. Every storefront is unique and positions itself like, and they are, it's, uh, it's attractive. Every storefront is attractive and unique in its own way. And you know that they're like, you know that they're doing it. You know that they're going for it. Like, they're identifiable. And that's the way that all the storefronts downtown in Columbus are. But in the sa- same way, like, Texas are all unique, but it's, like, all... And all of them on the same street. They're, um... They're all... They're all still following a theme. It's still on theme. And that's the problem that I'm talking about. Is that all of the shops downtown in Columbus, although all of them are different, on, like, the main drag, High Street, they are all on theme. Uh, citywide, the city is all, it's on theme. It's homogenized. Like, the franchise restaurants appear the right amount of, tata- right amount of time statistically in, across the city. Like, the distribution is correct. The distribution is even everywhere for all of the things that, for all of the businesses that there are multiple of them. The distribution is correct. And the city is homogenized. But, like, it feels like... Um, everything is and i'm saying homogenized meaning an environment that's more like this scene in midsummer when uh the lead character the lead girl she sees that her boyfriend is sleeping with the people who are practicing the religion on the on the island that they went to at the the place that they went she sees that her boyfriend is sleeping with these people that are part of the religion because they captured him or whatever. But she thinks that that he's just sleeping around or whatever, cheating on her. And then uh, this the movie shows her. She goes off alone and she's sobbing and crying because she's so upset. And um, uh, all of these girls that are practicing the religion, the same religion that took this guy, 
and seduced him or whatever, sort of against his will. They went and they start crying just as loudly in her face as she is crying. They replicate exactly what she is doing in terms of crying and sobbing. And it's like 20 of these girls surrounding her and they just mimic exactly what she's doing. They mirror exactly what she's doing. This renders her individuality useless, renders it, renders it dead. Uh, it's like, it's like death by empathy. And so part of what this scene communicates is empathy has a dark side because complete empathy, it's kind of like complete love. Love is a little bit scary because you might be, you might be frozen. Like if you really loved, you might be frozen by somebody else. Um, like she will be loved by Maroon 5 is kind of gross. She will be loved. She will, she will be loved. Like you looking at a girl and saying that is like, um, yeah, I will fuck her and she will be satisfied. That's like what that song is saying. Like love in terms of satisfaction, like you might lose yourself along the way. And, um, maybe, maybe this environment in Columbus is too loving. It's too like, it's too like that where everybody would mimic what you're doing. They crush your individuality because they're very united. And it's kind of like a, um, like I feel like an, some of it is I feel like an outsider as long as I am an outsider, especially because I like college football, but don't like Ohio State. Some of it is uh, Ohio State football type of mentality where like everybody in their stadium is on the same page and everybody is sober. I mean, everybody is somber in their worship of Ohio State, but everybody is united. Like they do not, they do not care about an outsider. They're not, they're not accommodating to an outsider. Like somebody who likes a different team from Ohio State, they're like, they're like worshipful and reverential of Ohio State to the point that they're like, you need to be cast out if you like another team, literally. But that's like a, it's, it has to do with standards that they hold. It has to do with that they have this standard that they're like, and you have to hold up this standard as a group and as a collective in order to be a standard, like in terms of college football and Ohio State kind of runs the Big Ten. And they're like, they're like the standard for Big Ten for college football in the Big Ten. Ohio State is the best. And so but it's kind of like that takes sacrifice. It takes the sacrifice of individuality. This is a standard that they hold to. But what I'm talking about is like there's Brutus the Buckeye, and he is a he's their mascot, and their mascot is is Brutus the Buckeye. He's just a man, but he has a Buckeye for a head. This is different from other mascots, but like I saw this commercial that was a car, it was just a car dealership commercial, local car dealership, and they they used like Brutus was in their commercial to advertise because they wanted to associate with Ohio State and get people on their side. Brutus was in their commercial and pretty much in this commercial, Brutus, the Buckeye, the mascot, he didn't do anything standout-ish. He didn't do anything in particular. It was just the point of the commercial and the incorporation of Brutus was to say Brutus is in the commercial. Don't you see don't you see that he's here? He didn't have to do anything. And that's kind of the way that they treat Brutus on the sidelines overall at the stadium. It's just that like, well, he's there and he's a part of it the same way everybody else is. He doesn't have to do anything special. And it's just like, um, he doesn't have to do anything important, but in, and what stood out to me about this commercial is that Brutus was not funny at all. And he isn't funny. Brutus is not funny. But if you look at Bucky the Badger, 
Bucky is funny, but that's because in Ohio State, like, Ohio State doesn't expect Brutus to be funny. They don't need him to be. That's not a part of it. But, like, Bucky is funny because that's what we that's what we expect out of him or like we we choose for our mascot to be funny and um i i'm just saying that i'm just saying that bucky is funny and that's because of a standard and i mean that's because of a that's because of a difference in standards but um like what i'm saying is that if this if this same car commercial was going on in wisconsin Bucky would be doing something funny or comical. Brutus just shows up and everyone's like, oh, Brutus. But it's really like to the point that things are not funny in Columbus, really, because the that expectancy of funny isn't there. In Wisconsin, we might expect you to show up and perform a little bit or something, or there might be something we expect out of you because... It's not already more assumed that your individuality or that you've been more homogenized or something like that. But like I'm saying that this comes across whatever is it? I don't need to I don't need to belabor the point. But um, we're just having we just have so much fun here. People are distracting me because literally. But that's what I'm talking about. Is I start talking and there's fucking this. Uh, it's it's um, strange. It's paranormal how there's noises all around me. The second I start talking, it's kind of like that scene in Midsommar when she starts crying and everybody starts making noise when she does because the environment is meant to crush your individuality. Like, I'm not saying that that is the result of Columbus crushing people's individuality, that there's lots of people making noises around me, including including my dog and all the other dogs. It's just that this environment, my apartment complex, is a dog-accommodating environment and um, it's a slew of despond. People just become more like nature here, and it is it is religious. And dogs are a bit more religious, and they slow you down to they slow you down to a more definable s- standard. Do dogs and having one? But there's in the center of my apartment complex is a dog park, and everybody meets there. And what goes on, on in the dog park is just a meshing of dogs and people. And it's really like that. This apartment complex is relatively more just ruled by dogs literally it's ruled by dogs like people have to take their cues from dogs because the center of this apartment complex is a dog park it's defined that way and when people are in there they're mostly just watching the dogs and looking at them and this is just like this is like a worshipful center that holds the entire place together but there's a very high percentage of people that have dogs in this apartment complex and um There's a very high percentage. I'm getting so uppity now all of a sudden. Like, I'm nervous that I'm 30 minutes in and, like, have to make a point. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was, I was on topic before, and now I'm freaking out. I'm having a panic attack. I just need to slow down. I think I just really wanted to deliver the point about Brutus and Bucky well, and, like, that, that made me nervous. And, um, let's just all take a breath here. And, um, it's really like, you don't want, you always have to look, you want to look professional. You can't put the pressure on your audience. Like somebody who, like, the point is the audience can come as like a safe environment. They, all that they have to do is listen. Like, I don't know that that is necessary or that I'm that, um, 
that I'm that accommodating or that anybody needs to be. It's just that move the direction of the format of the of what you are facilitating. What I'm facilitating is like to this point, like when you're a stand-up comedian, you go on stage. It's all everybody's looking at you, and you you're not making any mention. Besides, like you might work the crowd. But even when you're working the crowd, it's not like, hey, I'm on a stage. Like, you're not going to go that far. You're not going to challenge the security of the situation that much that you're going to be like, hey, why am I even up here? Or like, and I, I want to do, because I already do that sometimes when I'm on here, just in my house. But it's really like, it's, it reaches a limit where uh, if you're not actually, like, I could test that out live and in front of people or whatever. But like this standard of dogs and this like communal collection of dogs and humans is an environment is relatively more ruled by dogs than other ones by other apartment complexes that don't have a dog park at the center of them and like literally people become more like nature and like you get feedback and it's because there's so many dogs in the environment people are used to the the relationship between people and dogs and people here more treat other people like dogs as a result of the high frequency of dogs in the environment like literally and i think sometimes when i'm playing video games and swearing at the tv very loudly which is it's not my fault it's my neighbor's fault that that happens but then um i i receive feedback sometimes but it's never it's not confrontational and that's what pisses me off it's on the periphery so i wouldn't know if it was really from anybody but that's the way that people communicate like this passive aggressive way because Everybody thinks that everybody needs to be reined in. Everybody thinks that outliers and, like, people people are trying to control outliers and behavior the same way that, like, all, like, dogs are commanded to do things. Um, it's, like, because, of it's, because it's an environment that doesn't recognize human individuality as much, but, like, there's so many dogs. And you, I think, I think sometimes that is the case, is that they're trying to rein in my behavior the same way that they're so used to reining in their dog's behavior. Like, I'm just a wild dog to these people. Some, and definitely, um, in a lot of respects, if, if I am making too much noise in here and like what they want is a quieter atmosphere, the kind of people that buy dogs, they're doing it so that they have an excuse to be more sedated in life and go and go quietly a little bit more so you like partly you get a dog so you you blame your dog for for whatever like you can just stay home and be quiet because you need to take care of your dog you need to watch out, out for your dog your dog becomes this excuse for you to not go out more and live a quieter life and that's that's sort of what they want and so outliers in human behavior the second i start talking so it's like somebody's now vacuuming their whatever because they don't want to listen to noise like like they don't want to get into that there's this output of energy and they don't like spikes in energy and they don't like they don't like that somebody is trying to do something or make something of themselves what they want is a quiet atmosphere this place is a slew of despond everybody polices each other to be slow to be slower and and shit like that and it's just relatively more retarded to have dogs and i'm talking about slow and frustrated and given over to images because when i go out with my dog and i'm walking him around this reduces me to that image of that i'm always i always have a dog with me when that is that's the only thing that gets me to walk around i swear to god and the more energy that i put out is the more the people the more feedback i get it's fucking it's fucking insane i want to kill everybody here oh they're getting louder it's fucking retarded or they're just waiting until or they're just waiting until i start talking for them to do work in their apartment or something like that i don't really understand 
Like, I fucking pay rent in here. I can make whatever fucking noise I want. And as far as you know, this is just part of my career, that I have to do, like, a teleconference every day and speak very vivaciously, or very energetically. As far as anybody knows, I'm just talking on the fucking phone. That anybody would be pissed off. It's just because they're trying to rein in my behavior. Because they want to treat everybody like a dog. Because in an environment where everybody goes here to, like, oh, this is a dog place where everybody has dogs. It's just like... Um, it's just like, I mean, it doesn't have to be that. It could just be people are antsy. People are just pissed at somebody being loud at all. But like, um, uh, I'm saying that when I walk, the times that I show myself visibly, I go, I walk into the sunlight. I have a dog that I'm walking and he's attached to me. And it's this duality of dog and man. Every time I show myself in public, like this reduces me to that image and like, it takes, it's like, you have a leash, but there are the loops, there are uh, two loops on the leash. The one that I, like, I'm holding the handle of it, and then the other loop is looped to his collar, but it's like, I'm walking the dog, but that's this that old joke, like, or is the dog walking you? Or if that is an old joke, or whatever it is. It's like, or are you walking the dog, or the dog walking you? It's actually both for everybody that's ever walking a dog. It's this duality of dog and people. And... Because it just, because then what is evident in my life is that I need this dog or like I'm dependent on the dog because I can't even go into the sunlight without the dog being there. Like this is a neediness that it's like, it's evident that, well, why else are you walking around like this dog proves because dog, because I have to hold on to that leash the entire time. I have to have the dog connected to what I'm walking around with the entire time, the same way that. Like, he can't just run away, and also, I can't just run away. It's actually both. And it's, um, I think it's horrifying. And I want to get out of it. And I will probably just move away, and maybe I'll get rid of my dog. And that's sad. But, um, it's just that, like... So, there's this, there's a centralized Jesus. Let me, let me quote. The people are fucking stressing me out, these fucking people. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad that my level of anxiety that I, I um, how dare they make me anxious? Like, uh, that's not on me to just overcome it and know that I pay the rent in here. Um, these are, these are the paranoid diaries of, of me. Now, now I'm just trying to do the hour without, um, without having the entire thing collapse. I started off so strong, and then everybody doesn't like my strength. It's just, you live in a world that wants to silence you. That's what these fucking vaccines are about. Like, I would think that at this point, a lot of people that get vaccines know that this isn't a matter of people's health because these vaccines aren't making anybody healthy. They're just clotting your blood. But, and so, I would I would imagine it's okay for me to have the opinion that I don't want one. Like, you... You really shouldn't think that they're doing they're doing anything to make you healthy. These vaccines are here for you to be on the same page as this is like whoever is implementing them and forcing them on the world wants everybody to be on the same page. They want a world where everybody has a chip in their arm so they can control everybody and know where they're going and know when they buy things from the supermarket. This is just the beginning steps of getting everybody to be chipped in accordance with a system where everybody can be identical under authoritarian rule. This is just for control. It isn't to make anybody healthy. So, like, 
So, like, that's okay that people want me to get a vaccine. They're like, it doesn't matter that much because it's not killing you. It probably isn't going to kill me or anything like that. And so it's like, it's not like they're trying to kill you, but it's also true. I feel like you would have to accept that they're not here to make you healthy because this pandemic is not an issue. And they're just they're sending people into schools. And if you get sick from the virus, it's just like this pandemic, to the extent that it's an issue, is just the media making it one so that you get a vaccine at this point. And so I feel like a lot of people that didn't get a vaccine, whatever, I didn't want to talk about vaccines. Um, like, I support a, I support a, um, just the world wants to silence your voice. They don't like when you're making any sort of noise because then that makes it, that makes them feel bad. That makes them think that they have to do something. I'm just responsible enough to get people off of their, off of their feet. Stop sitting on their ass. Get off your feet. And you know what? Somebody needs to be yelled at. Like somebody has to be the person that people are freaking out about. Like somebody has to bring energy to the situation. And so I'm talking about like, you're, you're successful on TikTok or as an aggregator if you're like, as long as you're bringing activity to the situation. Because it's like, the world has reached this point where, um, like, I would say that, in my words, I would say we reached a status of unidentifiability. Whereas we used to live with an identified status. And it's kind of like 2020 processed, we processed out identities, in my opinion. And uh, we kind of reached this point where popularity is not liable to the individual. Like, it, it's very difficult to give an individual credit or say an individual is to be celebrated. So it's like I'm talking about the death of celebrity. But the death of celebrity doesn't just affect Hollywood celebrities. It affects lower-level people. Like, anybody on YouTube is also trying to be a celebrity. Like, And Joe Rogan is trying to be a celebrity. Like, even though he would say, I'm I'm better than celebrities because I'm not trying to be one. And being a celebrity makes you crazy or whatever. But it's like, at, at some level, he's just trying to be famous. And everybody on YouTube, at some level, there's trying to be a celebrity. But death of celebrity affects everybody, including anybody on YouTube. But it's like, it's to the point now, I would say, we, we crossed over the boundary from identity to unidentity. Or from consciousness to unconsciousness. Uh, like, over the past year. Or like, kind of towards the end of... 2020 like identity is dead so now it's at the point that the best that you can do as somebody who's making a platform of any kind is uh is aggregate is is re is is to communicate the themes that are going on in the world and it's like the themes really just exist as frequencies like you just hear them from everywhere rather than that they're liable to an individual anymore it's like the individual is no longer able to receive credit actually it's like and they're not responsible it's kind of like the borders of physic physically of the human body is like uh we we reach this level where individual people are not held liable for um like that they are to be celebrated for what they bring to the table it's kind of like the best you can do is just reflect and, and speak back circulate recirculate themes that you hear like be a center of activity for the things that are popular and what i'm talking about is a death of popularity where people can no in, individuals can no longer be popular the best you can do to do that is just say a bunch of the themes like frequency like genre like be a point of ref point of reference that collects the themes that people are saying like you can be uh people be like oh it's just very difficult to 
Yeah, the best you can do is be a center of activity. And, um, like, I'm saying that... I'm saying, like, I'm getting retarded by these people, man. I'm getting retarded by them. I'm getting retarded. You get retarded in so many ways. Jesus, Jesus retards me. Jesus has retarded me during the course of my life. He's slowed me down. Like, I have a relatively more retarded sexuality. Like, my sexuality is retarded as a result of as a result of having it to reduce it to the image of Jesus. Like, this is, if, as long as it's just an image, it, and I'm talking about a Jesus that's more centralized, like, standardized to churches, and Christians walk around, like, people who are big adherents of Christianity, like, generally, I feel like this means you're saying you need to go to a church. And so there's this dividing line for people who are like, oh, you have to go to a church, and then people who don't. And this dividing line is like, you support a centralized Jesus or you support a decentralized Jesus. Um, like a Christian really has no right to tell me that I can't speak about Jesus because Jesus is for everybody. It's kind of ridiculous that you would think he has to live in the church. Like, I don't have to be a Christian to talk about Jesus. Jesus for everybody. I support an alternative Jesus. I support an independent Jesus. I support an indie Jesus. Cool, hip Jesus. Fun Jesus. Not stuck with all these rules that have, like, standards. But I, I'm. But the world is going to do this anyway. We're going to bring about... Because Jesus is already for everybody. You can't... You don't get to say that Jesus is for you only and that your interpretation of God is better than other people's. Like... I would say if you're a Christian, don't act like you own Jesus because you don't. You don't own Jesus. You can, don't get to tell me I can't talk about Jesus. I could say anything about Jesus, especially like I was a Christian for 21 years. It began and it ended. It's a specific finite timeline. I stopped being one. And um, it's kind of like if you were a scientist for 21 years, you could talk about Jesus. I mean, you could talk about science. And people would be like, oh, you were a scientist. You have that background. But Christians would be like, because I don't go to church anymore. Christians would be like, yo, you don't get to say anything about Jesus because they're ridiculous because they think they own Jesus when Jesus is for everybody. It's preposterous. Like, I could say whatever about Jesus. You don't get to tell me. I can say, I can talk about Christ whatever way that I want to because his interpretation is not, it's not for you. And like, I don't, I don't think that Jesus wants you to follow any rules necessarily. And if Jesus was around, he could take a joke. Like you, Jesus is somebody you should make fun of the most and people should totally make fun of Jesus. Like it's because he's fucking hilarious. It's, you should totally ridicule Jesus because he could take a joke. I would hope that he could, he should be able to take one the most. Um, and, like, I'm talking about a decentralized Jesus. Jesus is holed up in these churches, but this will this will come about. The world is, this is kind of like a Satanist world, though. Satanist world decentralizes Jesus so that Jesus doesn't, like, abide by these standards. It's kind of like a more centralized Jesus, a churchy Jesus. It's just like the Jesus from the Bible. But then there's, like, um, there's this Satanist way of viewing things that... I mean, I would say Satanist is a bit more decentralized kind of Jesus. And um, because it's demoralized, de-standardized Jesus. We're just living in a world that becomes 
that becomes more destandardized, but you, you won't be able to say like Jesus exists in the church forever because church is a, a church exists as a standardized version of Jesus. And every church has a different standard based on partly what the pastor is preaching, partly just the title of the church and the title of the church. Like is a different morality church to church. And these are all standards of Jesus. They're all a different image of Jesus that this is what Jesus is supposed to be. My family growing up went to fellowship Baptist church and so the title of this indicates this is kind of like a friendship church, it's friendship Jesus. And I would say that generally it's like everybody there is friendly to the point that you wouldn't, you would be incorrect to say that they weren't like every, my church growing up is really cool and everybody there is friendly. And I think it's, I would say it's because they supported Jesus. That's just your friend, but that's the standard that they had of Jesus. Um, is Jesus that's more your friend and that's a more casual environment and my church was casual and chill fun like that's a they had a chill version of Jesus but every church has a different version of him they have a different standard when you consider that Jesus is just in the air uh rather than that he's confined to the facility of a church he is um and it's just like that's a way of looking at it that we exist in that world today where we think that it's these standardized versions of Jesus that are Jesus. But it's like Jesus isn't for it's like this idea is bigger than a church. This idea is this idea is just in the air. This this idea is for everyone. Jesus, to the extent that you confine him to like a book, to like what a book says about him, even what the Bible says about him or confine it to what a church says about him is just you're saying that Jesus is standardized. The world, the world is going to go in a direction of making it. It's like the world isn't going to kill Jesus, but they will um, they will change to they will uh, like Jesus will evolve the way that the world does because Jesus is a big enough idea that he's not confined to church and he's not confined to standards. Um, like <clears throat> you're you become retarded to an image. Like I'm talking about retarded is just slow and is frustrated. Obviously, that's not what comes to mind if you bring up the word retarded, but the world. Um, the world is going to try to retard you further by, um, not even letting you recognize the problem or it's like, it's like if they prevented you from acknowledging there's such a thing as arrested development, because that's what I'm talking about. You, you, you engage in more of arrested development. If you're talking about a Jesus that eat, that satisfies you eternally without you having to do anything. So to the point that you say you can't find that love better on your own because Jesus is the king of the universe. So he automatically has the best love. Like this is going to retard your sexuality because um, then you're not going to progress with it and have it be diversified across other points of reference, people that you meet and can and have sex with um, that grow your sexuality and make it diversified. Like your sexuality will be stuck and frozen to the image of Jesus. If you're like, is Jesus eternally satisfies me. If you really take that idea to its fullest extent and, um, like the world doesn't let you say retard. There's, they're like, Oh, it's the R word. That's because of authoritarian figures and structures that want to prevent you from recognizing that you're in a frustrated state of things. So they stop you, prevent you from evolving past it. Like it's a retarded idea that you can say retarded because it doesn't let, doesn't allow you to recognize the, some of the root of the problem, but like, that's what the world wants you to do. They want you to be stuck. They want your voice to be silenced. They want you to just be one with nature and not have anything to say to some extent. 
like um, at, at least a world that supports this, like everybody has to get a vaccine, everybody has to be identical, everybody, no individuality anymore. But this is just, this is just perpetuated by authoritarian figures that don't want people to stand up and cross their power or whatever. It's the same authority, authoritarian figures that implement the education system a hundred years ago. Like Rockefeller implements the education system to tell you, um, because he wants workers and so he wants the masses to be used to being conformed to uh, the standard of working and, and trodden underfoot. He wants the masses to be used to being automated into into nothingness and having no individuality because he wanted workers for his factories. He, and he had so much more billions of dollars at the time that he came into his wealth that he was able to influence whoever through his power and the Rockefellers and the Carnegie's over the last hundred years have influenced are above politicians and influence them to make changes across the country because that's how much power they have like the Rockefellers have so much power that they implemented the beginnings of what what we have as like the pharmaceutical industry today like the standards for pharmacy the standards for education the standards for um I mean medicine too hospitals uh, come from the Rockefellers, but it's because of like, it's because it's because of these authoritarian figures that are uh, supporting and reinforcing a world where you are indoctrinated to think that you're just a worker. And this is not a natural system, but it's just a, it's a retarding system. It's, it slows you down, it frustrates you to repeating the same day, repetitive system, repeating the same thing over and over again. Um, and I bring that up to say, uh, also, like, I wanted to say this before that the the statue of Peter, Saint Peter, in um, the in Saint Peter's Basilica is used to be the statue of Jupiter, who the Romans worshipped as Jupiter, like this pagan god, and it's the statue of Jupiter. But at some point, Christianity, um, and it's kind of like uh, Ang English Englishness and its ability to be visible and monetize things. But like Christianity is able to be visible more so across the world where Satanism is not. And Christianity, because it, because like at the time that maybe when Constantine was ruling or somebody was ruling, like the Roman empire became Christian. And so like pagan shit was banished, but the people who still like pagan gods still wanted to worship them. And so basically what somehow what ends up happening is the statue of Peter it used to be the statue of Jupiter, but like it's the same statue. They like reformatted it and put it in St. Peter's Basilica and they're like, oh, it's Peter. And it still to this day has this like halo around its head, which like shows that it's this pagan statue. But this is um, this is a similar thing to that Christmas as a visible Christian tradition, Christ worshiping. It's like what Christmas means it is there's like pagan themes and pagan traditions within it like the christmas tree and whatever and it's kind of like you need to put the face on for christianity because christianity is like the visible standard or like at the point that it's christianity because christianity is the visible one satanism exists in the shadows and like um but this is an example of that that satanism Satanism is in plain sight, but for all intents and purposes, we don't recognize Satanism. We have to recognize Christianity, but that's because of the standards of Christianity and because we live in, 
we live in a world that's defined by the book, like that's defined by the Bible, and like the Bible is the visible standard. I would argue that that is the case. It is the case because, um, like you might say that, well, actually the world maligns Christianity and doesn't recognize it, like Christians are the outcasts, and they're not the ones who make everything visible. But I'm saying that it's actually the case that you have, you actually have to make a Christian in order for it to still exist. But it's kind of like paganism in some senses, is the same thing as Christianity, like with this St. Peter statue. And um, it's just like the opposite, but in an in, in invisible form instead of a visible one. But that's ex that's exactly what is happening with the St. Peter statue, is that invisibly it is pagan. Visibly it is Christian, even though it is like it is both, it's Christian and pagan at the same time. But this is like a, the opposites are in some senses equal, like two opposites are, uh, they know each other. Two opposites are kind of defined by the same thing, like pretty and ugly are both for appearances. But like there, it's kind of like the invisible form of Christianity is always Satanism. And you know that there is a Satanism problem because people are always trying to say that it isn't happening or like that global elites worship Satanism or, or worship Satan, that isn't happening, that can't be happening, that's a conspiracy theory, theory that sounds wild or something, like, because there isn't, like, visible evidence of it. Um, but, like, it, it is, it, um, people say that that's a conspiracy theory, and they're just, they're just saying it isn't, isn't happening, but the point that I'm making is that people have a problem with satanism this is this is clear because we're like oh no like morally speaking the world at large is like no people aren't worshiping satan because that would be awful that would be horrible that's because the world lives on a christian standard where they're like christianity is good but like standards are good morals are good virtues are good visible things are good known thing the unknown and secrecy is always bad right secrecy is always bad and um secrecy is always bad and um for real but that's that's how you know that satanism is real is that people have a problem with it and they would be like oh no that can't be happening because people are like there's a conspiracy theory that would be ridiculous to think that that is because it would be too horrible at the world the way that it exists now for them to be able to accept that and so I'd say that that proves you have to recognize this dichotomy or this like polarization between Christianity and Satanism. Christian is on one end, Satanism is on the other. But um, uh, Justin Bieber and Kanye West and Marilyn Manson on Halloween were leading this prayer for a group of people. They were praying to God. They got together and they're praying. They're all they're dressed in all white. They're wearing costumes. They're doing this sacred ritual of sorts. The three of them are together and they're praying to God. And Justin Bieber is praying the same way that a Christian would pray. He's saying like, "Thank you that you leave the ninety nine for the one God." This and thank you that you never leave us, God. Like all the Christian things. But uh, Marilyn Manson is like right next to him. Marilyn Manson has been um, like very vibrantly worshiping Satan his whole life. Like he's made it a point to say that his act is because he's pissed about Christianity and he's like, I need to put on these concerts and people need to mosh at them because they're trying to get out their demons of like, because they've been told Christianity, like he promotes a more Satan, Satan, Satanist environment. 
And so you might be like, well, you don't know his heart. It's like maybe God cha- God can change anybody's heart. But this is the kind of Satanism that just exists in plain sight because like the Pope is, his throne room is between the fangs of a serpent. Serpent is like the evil. The serpent is what brings evil into the world. Uh, if Marilyn Manson, Kanye West, and Justin Bieber are getting together to pray on Halloween and they're saying all these godly things, the point that they're making is that Satanism is the same thing as Christianity. And like uh there's like it's not like kanye west is a full-blown satanist but well like he just he just sees this as a relatively better moral system a satanism and just watch out for watch out for his satanism becoming more into the open because the reason it doesn't exist that way now is because people think it's like too horrible that it would exist but in reality a lot of the elites elites are doing that Elites are worshiping Satan, and they're trying to bring about an age that is not defined by Jesus anymore. The, the only way that they bring this about is um, overcoming the Bible or crossing the Bible. But basically, they're trying to bring about the taboo, taboo according to the Bible. Taboo according to the Bible is Satan wins. Okay, this is the greatest impossibility. This is like a similar thing to saying Satanism doesn't even exist according to Christians, and then this causes them to just overlook things like that the Pope is sitting between the fangs of a serpent, and that, well, like, Kanye West is a Christian, even though he's, like, does these rituals, but um, what I wanted to bring up also is the, there's this video I saw that is tremendous conspiracy theory art of the 2012 London Olympics opening ceremonies where they have this giant performance of they have this performance of like demons come in and chase children out of their hospital beds. But like the the stage, the performance is that there's all these kids in these hospital beds and there's all these doctors taking care of them. And then the music changes and these demons rush in and start chasing the kids out of their hospital beds. Strange message, but basically it correlates a lot to COVID-19. And this this ritual happened in 2012 in a stadium that they... They made the stadium and then they erected all of these pyramids that have all seeing eyes all across the top of the roof of the stadium that overlook the center where this ritual takes place because there's always these satanic symbols that are going on just out in the open and when and when this performance started they're playing music from the exorcist so this whole demonic thing takes place to the music of the exorcist i'm going to link the video so you have to see it it's a it's spectacular you have to see it i can't believe it when i watch it because it's the it's just so like uh i mean it's it's satanism and like uh but they just do it right at the 2012 opening ceremonies of the olympics where everybody's watching it and the music changes um because at the beginning all of the all of the doctors are dancing which is like it it correlates with at the beginning of this pandemic they all those doctors had those videos of where they're dancing and shit like that and at the beginning of this performance all the doctors and nurses are dancing near the hospital beds but then the music changes after like as this part of this performance jk rowling reads the passage from something something about neverland maybe she reads a passage from peter pan probably but she reads this really creepy passage about neverland and says like well the um like the evil that takes place between you being awake like right before you go to sleep in the two minutes you 
before you go to sleep, that evil becomes real. And then all these demons come out. J.K. Rowling reads this. And she is a Satanist, by the way. She is, uh, she's a full-blown Satanist. Um, whether or not you say, like, oh, that's why she's writing these Harry Potter or whatever. She's probably just writing it on her own time, but she just happens to be a fan of Satanism. But uh, you just have to watch it. I'll link the video. And, like, visibly speaking, visibly speaking, like, the Justin Bieber, Marilyn Manson, and Kanye West are getting together. They're praying on Halloween part of what they're saying is like it's this duality of things where it's like what they're praying to who justin bieber is talking to in my opinion is just satan but uh and then the bible is like in the end day end times will be all of these false prophets but um like false prophet can be like false it could be really false like saying all the exact same things a christian does but it's satan and that's exactly what that St. Peter statue is. It's the Christian, but actually it's this pagan statue. We're God of Jupiter. And um, these things exist. And the message I'm telling you is that... So the world freaks out. They try to... They're like, oh, you can't stay retarded. That's because they want you to stay retarded. And don't don't recognize that retarded means slow and frustrated either. Because, like... I mean, it, I mean, you recognize that it's not going to like make you not retarded if you are like I'm having a, it's obviously a liberal usage of the word retarded and you're retarded. Just, you got to unretard yourself. I think like, um, Jesus is fine. I think you should have Jesus, but you should have a decentralized version of it. One that is one that is more open and current and allows like a Jesus that allows that is allowed to move rather than that is restricted to a facility or to a boundary set of boundaries. Um, yes. I'll talk to you all. Talk to you all later. Bye.